I got these sticker ones and they're so, so great. Oh, they're gel yeah. stickers and I just put them under. And like, I think I got them for 15 bucks at Ulta. Yeah, Ulta has really good ones. I was really like hesitant with the sticker ones that like cure under the gel thing, but I'm sold. So right for July? I I was at July. And I missed. Yeah, my nail. Like, this is my real nail. Good. How are you? Tired. I know. I don't know what I bought Amazon, but like they always peel. purchase I bought up today. Good evening and welcome to the August 17th regular meeting of the Historic Preservation Committee. Madam Clerk, may we please have the roll call? 
Member Krieg is absent. Member Thomas? Here. Member Euler is absent. Member Stratton? Here. I mean, I'm sorry, Vice Chair Stratton. Here. Okay. And Chair Soriano? Here. We have a quorum. This is the time we set aside for public communication to talk about any item not on tonight's agenda. Madam Clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak to us regarding any item not on the agenda? I do not have any cards at this moment. Okay. No. So item number one is approval of the Historic Preservation Committee July 20th, 2023 meeting minutes. Are there any edits or comments on the minutes? No. No? No. Okay, may I have a motion and a second to approve the meeting minutes? I make a motion that we approve the July 20th uh, HPC meeting minutes. I second the motion. And Madam Clerk, may we please have the roll call? Member Thomas? Yes. Vice Chair Stratton? Yes. Chair Soriano? Yes. Motion carries. All right, we can move on to item number two, which is project 230330, Xander Building Mills Act, located at 384 East Main Street. Good um, evening. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, are there any committee members who have had ex-part communications to report or need to recuse themselves for this item? No, we're good. Okay, I think we have a staff presentation. Great. Good evening, everyone. My name is Kira Pasqua, and I'm an assistant planner with the City of Ventura, and the item before you this evening is for a Mills Act contract with the owner of the George Sander Men's Clothing Store Building, local historic landmark number 117, located at 384 East Main Street. Next slide, please. The Mills Act is a state law authorizing local governments to enter into contracts with owners of local landmark properties, which then allows for an alternative tax assessment that can result in lower property taxes for the landmark. In return, the lower tax assessment, the property owner is expected to use the tax savings to improve and maintain the, uh, the property in accordance with the regulations of the State Office of Historic Preservation and the Secretary of the Interior's Standards for the Treatment of Historic Properties. The City's application for a Mills Act contract requires a plan for continued maintenance of the property, in, including the, in the nature and cost of any rehabilitation and restoration or preservation work. The contracts are minimum 10 years, they automatically renew each year, and they will run with the property, meaning it can be passed on to future owners. Next slide, please. The subject landmark is the George Sanders clothing store located off of East Main Street. It is approximately 3,764 square foot commercial building constructed in 1886. The property is also located within the Main Street Commercial Historic District. There is one other landmark in proximity of the subject property. The building directly adjacent to the, uh, to the building is the Bank of Italy building landmark number 38. Next slide, please. The George Sander Men's Clothing Store was designated a local landmark on February 7, 2022 for being the work of a master builder architect, in this case, Arthur Froelich, and, a re and re building representation of the 1930s architecture. 
Arthur Froelich is known for his mid-century commercial building design, and in 1938, the building went through its last remodel through George Zander's employment of Froelich. Froelich's innovative implementation of scored cement as a design element is, is an identifiable application of progressive style, while simultaneously highlighting the prevailing commercial vernacular aesthetics of that era. Next slide, please. The commercial building is a one-and-a-half-story, simple rectangular building that represents the architecture typical of commercial buildings in 1930, with vertical cement, uh, vertically scored cement, large merchant display windows, recessed entrance with a metal door, and ter terrazzo flooring at the entrance that is still intact. Next slide. The property owner has estimated a total of 100 $125,000 in improvements and maintenance through during the next 10-year period. They have provided a conceptual timeline for the property's preservation and rehabilitation items included in the Mills Act contract. Should, uh, should, be, should be those necessarily to protect the uh, structural integrity of the property or, the prolong, or prolong the life of the building. Those that preserve, preserve the character-defining features of the structure and those that restore the structure according to the standards. Only the exterior is nominated for the landmark protection and the enti ex entire exterior uh, fabric of the structure will be subject to the contract. Any activity outside of routine maintenance will require review of and approval by the city, including items that do not require a building permit or may not require a formal planning application. Next slide, please. S staff recommends that the Historic Pres Preservation Committee approves a minute motion recommending the City Council approve the Mills Act contract. Next slide, please. S oh, staff is available for any questions. Thank you. Do any committee members have questions for staff? I do. A couple, can you go back one slide, please? So the property preservation and rehabilitation, that is different than what I have as Exhibit C. I mean, I have a different project total investment or estimate. Oh, I'm sorry. There was, a, there was an error. It's 149,500. Okay. And then I have another question um, on the one where it has replace and maintain display windows. If this is the exterior di display windows, can those be repaired? Is that, are those character-defining features of the building? And if so, can they be repaired or rehabilitated in some manner other than being wholesalely replaced? And if they're going to be replaced, are they going to be replaced in kind? Uh, the applicant is here to, uh, Cynthia, do you want to? Ma'am, can you actually go and speak at the podium? Can you stand up and speak at the podium in the corner? We have to or you can speak up here we as well. Is that okay? I mean, typically. I think don't. we have to open up the public hearing before. Right. Okay. So, 
do we? I'll save that question then okay. for, for the applicant. Okay. okay. Yes. Do we have any other questions for staff before we open the yeah. public hearing? And then you can set up here at the okay. table. No questions. Okay. Then um, we can open the public hearing and hear from the applicant or applicant's representative, Cynthia. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, the wording on that should have been repair or replace. Um, it, it, uh, because I had an extensive conversation with Tom Bell, who is the owner. He is also the owner of 34 North Palm, which just um, got approved as, of a Mills Act contract. He's very aware of the Secretary of the Interior standards. So it's the wording there. Yes, if the windows need to be replaced, which they will have to be addressed, it would be either replace or repair in kind. Okay. Most definitely. And if I'm still alive, I'll make sure he does it. Do any committee members have, have any more questions? Okay, I can close the public hearing section for this. Or? Sorry. Sorry. Was this no, the presentation ahead. by the applicant? No, it's by staff. It the was, applicant, do you have any presentation, yeah, have or presentation. Just, were you just available no, for I, questions? I was, I, as my comment card said, I'm available for questions. I'm, the applicant is Tom Bell. I am the consultant that prepared the application okay. for him, and so I am representing him okay. uh, this evening as well. And I'm we doing. don't have an applicant presentation. Okay. So, um, so now you can open to members of the public. Yeah, so uh, now we can open uh, any comments from the members of the public. We have one comment. Okay. One public speaker, Stephen Schaefer. Um, I'm just going to make a quick comment. Uh, I am president of the San Buenaventura Conservancy for Preservation. My name is Steve Schaefer, and uh, we love Mills Act and landmarks, so obviously we are uh, in favor of uh, any thing that preserves buildings and furthers preservation in the city of Ventura. Just for context, since we have some, uh, so many new members here, uh, not only staff, but actually new members on the board, uh, Ventura is one of the communities that has a unique distinction that our Mills Act only applies to landmarks. And so one of the things that we have talked about in the past with previous administrations and staff and, and would like to advocate into the future is to expand that into districts, which is the standard for most cities. Uh, and that way, some of the district, like the Simpson Tract on the west side of town, uh, which is uh, not as uh, affluent as some of the landmarks that we have in town, uh, could benefit from some of these tax savings. Uh, another reason would be to basically incentivize having districts. So um, as you think about future projects and things to do uh, on the Historic Preservation Committee, obviously uh, incentivizing doing the Mills Act for landmarks and also districts uh, and district for district contributors in districts would be fantastic. Thank you very much. Do we have any more speakers from the public? We have no additional public comment. Does the applicant want to add anything else? No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going to close the, that concludes the public hearing for this project. The committee can now deliberate and ask for the questions of staff. Oh, great. Yeah. So. <laughs> I have a question, another question. Under the, um, the rehabilitation task, uh, 
the methods and materials completing the above work are subject to review and approval by the city. Mm -hmm. And then it says all work will comply with the Secretary of Interior standards. So when does that take place and who in the city approves that? Can you repeat the question again? Sure. Under, under, and the staff report under Exhibit C, it says rehabilitation task. It says the methods and materials for completing the above work items shall be subject to review and approval by the city prior to commencement of work. All work shall comply with the Secretary of Interior standards for rehabilitation of historic buildings. Non-compliance with this requirement may constitute grounds for a termination of the historic property contract by the city. So I'm asking when this review takes place and who in the city approves this review. So there's going to be two steps where this review will occur. One is during the zoning clearance, depending on what level of um, work is being done at that time. There are different applications that would go directly to the to the planning department, okay. um, and they would review uh, that work at that time in conjunction with our historic preservation consultants, um, who okay. the city utilizes for these types of projects. And then additionally, again, depending on the type of work being done, they would be required to go through plan check and get building permits for the work. And that would be the second time where both staff would review from the planning division, but also building and safety to look at um, you know, meth means and methods of construction. Okay, thank you. Do we have any other questions of staff? I'm good. Great question. Um, we can now deliberate and make a motion. The only thing I would ask, well, I can ask staff this, um, to change the wording in that, um, the preservation timeline, the preservation and rehabilitation timeline to, um, uh, rather than replace and maintain display windows, to say repair. Okay. Thank you. Otherwise, that's all from me. Can I just add yeah. to that repair, um, replace or repair in kind? Repair or replace in kind? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think. I make a motion that we, um, that the Historic Preservation Committee approve um, the, the Mills Act request on um, 384 East Main Street with the caveat of um, repairing or replacing in kind with the uh, display windows that that wording get changed. I second. May we please have the roll? Member Thomas? Yes. Vice Chair Stratton? Yes. Chair Soriano? Yes. Motion carries. All right, next item on our agenda is item number three, project 220018, Pierpont Inn Historic Design Review, located at 550 San Juan Road. And I believe we have a staff report. Thank you, Chair Soriano, HPC members. My name is Jared Rosengren, um, staff planner in the Community Development Department. 
Um, this evening, our uh, staff is requesting the HBC to recommend the Community Development Director approve proposed renovations to the Pierpont Inn located at 550 San Juan Road. Next slide, please. Pierpont Inn is located within the southeastern corner of downtown, just north of Highway 101 and east of San Juan Road. The site is approximately 5.8 acres in size. The property was designated a local landmark in number 80 in 1993 because of its association with the Pierponts and the Gleichman families, and they operated the inn from its original construction in 1910. The Pierpont Inn re represented the first important development in this area of town, and it helped establish Ventura as a coastal tourist destination. Next slide. The project includes the renovation of eight existing buildings that will include some exterior changes, including the removal of some non-original features. And when any original material is removed, it will be completed in a way that will not reduce the integrity of the building's ability to convey their significance. Next slide. Moving from west to east to the site, um, a little hard to see here, but you have the uh, West Wing building, which is kind of at the corner of San Juan and Highway 101. Um, you have the main building, which is kind of the, the heart of the, of the inn. It's the oldest building from 1910. And then um, one of the more visible buildings you see from the freeway is the Bluff building. And then below that, kind of closer to Vista Del Mar, is the 50s flat. And then the building um, with the pool is the east wing. And then you have um, the newer um, building with the Vickers Estate, which is um, not part of the designation, and um, so it's not under review here tonight. But then you have the cottages, which is more interior to the site, um, which is part of the review. Um, as mentioned before, most of the changes are related to upgrading the building to meet today's building codes and removing non-historical features to make the buildings more um, compatible with the facility's history. Next slide. On February 16th, 2023, the HBC reviewed the proposed renovations and provided comments about exploring options when replacing roof shingles on the main building, as well as a request to provide more information on the plans about what is being replaced versus rehabilitated. The revised, revised plans have been redesigned based on HBCs and staff's comment and direction. Next slide. And following the last presentation to HBC, the applicant and the design team met with representatives of the San Buena Ventura Conservancy and the Midtown Community Council to discuss the design and the potential for refinements consistent with their concerns, which included the preference for repairing existing windows and reusing existing window panes at the main building as much as possible, and if not possible, to install new hand-built windows to match the historic, as well as replace any failing wood shingles with new wood shingles. The Conservancy has sent an email today to the HPC and, um, staff and to staff uh, clarifying in more detail their comments on the project. This has been made available to the public, and I have hard copies available tonight for anyone who would like to read it. Next slide. As a reminder, the HBC's purview includes only the exterior of the buildings and does not include the interior of the design of the uh, design of the interior space. Next slide. 
The project scope and design was reviewed and assisted by Page and Turnbull, an architecture design planning preservation firm whose staff meets or exceeds the Secretary of Interior standards of professional qualifications for historic architecture, architectural history, um, or history. Their staff reviewed the historic photographs, historic aerials, photographs of the existing conditions, and various historic reports on the inn. Being part of the applicant team has ensured that the proposed scope of work complies with the Secretary of Interior standards for rehabilitation and will have minimal impact to the overall significance of the historic hotel. Mm -hmm. Additionally, a third party peer review was conducted by Michael Baker International. The, they evaluated the project against the Secretary of Interior standards as well and concurred with the findings of Page and Turnbull and with staff's recommendation of approval. Next slide, please. Before turning it over to the applicant, who will walk us through the renovation changes in more detail, the staff is avail available for any questions. Thank you. I do. Sorry, this is my first exposure to the the Pierpont in coming before the HPC. Can you tell me what the period of significance is from when to when? Well, there there are different buildings that have different periods of significance. So the the range would go from night early nineteen. Area and I'll have the applicant um, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, but to the 1960s. Okay. So depending on what building we're talking about would depend on which era of significance we'd be talking about. Okay. So is this facility looked at as just a compilation of individual buildings, or is it looked at as a, an entire whole of all? eight or 10 buildings that are on the property? In, in other words, as a district versus just individual buildings? That, that is a great question. Um, we didn't help ourselves when we created the landmark that we didn't um, clarify how we were looking at it. We just said it was associated with these important families. Um, about five years ago, staff and HPC uh, we had multiple meetings um, trying to clarify that, how it should be looked. and. From the expert's point of view, it was said that it could be thought of as either way, as its own district or as um, its own like individual landmarks. And so while two of the eight buildings could be landmarks by themselves, others just contributors, um, it, the whole uh, facility could be looked at as a district. And so you'll see that kind of terminology when you look at the historic reports um, from like Page and Turnbull or some of the, the older studies that were done. Okay, then let me just check my other notes here, but two of the buildings are individually eligible on their own as landmarks, right. and those are what two buildings? The main building Okay. and the 50s flat, 50s. also known as the uh, Maddie Gleichman house or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And then the contributors that are not eligible on their own, what, which ones are those? 
I'll have when the as the applicant goes through, I'll have them um, point those out. Okay. But um, those are more of the the mid-century buildings, like um, the West Wing and East Wing, the Bluff House. Um, cottages. Those are ones. Cottages as well. And I don't, let's see. Some of these are questions for the applicants, so I'll hold that. Um, is the pool, the swimming pool, a contributor? I, I will defer that to the applicant if they know. I don't remember specifically how that's talked about. Okay, and then Um, can I ask, are you the appropriate person to ask on the questions on the page in Turnbull? Probably depending on the question, but I, let's try the applicant first. Okay. Um, and we can go from there. Okay. That's good. I'm good. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Page turn for the presentation. Um, yeah, um, so I'll just tell you this. Do you need more microphones? Oh, is that this over? Just make sure to speak really close to the sure. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to say that we're very, very excited about this project. We've been working on it for many, many years. Um, it's uh, near and dear to our hearts, and we also recognize the, the staple uh, that it is in this community. Uh, and we we're working really, really hard with both city and uh, our team to uh, get this project um, to a jewel for the community once again. So I'm just happy to be here and to share what we have to do with the project. Great, thanks Rashawn. Um, my name is Bill Huey, I'm an architect with Page, and uh, we've been working with Three Thrones for the past couple of years on plans for this property. Um, so we have a slide presentation, sorry, I'm gonna kind of face this way, and in fact, pull out my laser pointer. So, uh, a jewel of the community. I think everyone recognizes the importance of the Pierpont Inn to Ventura. Uh, you can advance this slide. Um, and, and once again, thanks. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, once again, I'm usually doing this myself. Um, so just to situate the property, um, and you guys know your own city very well, this is uh, 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 just some, you know, this is a bit of the character of downtown Ventura and the coastline with the pier. Um, next, please. Um, 
again, the sort of vibrant coastal community uh, with Pierpont being one of, as Jared mentioned, one of those initial drivers of tourism as an economic base for the community. Next slide. Um, very quickly, uh, you know, the, the history is, goes way back, obviously, uh, but with the Spanish uh, 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 Junipero Serra uh, coming through and building the mission, um, the city, the, the area starts to change quite rapidly. Uh, beginning uh, obviously in the late 1800s and then into the 1910s is, uh, is the 19 the main building at the Pierpont was built in 1910 um, uh, and, and really represented the first um, wave of folks discovering the community as sort of a day trip from Los Angeles um, one of the uh, frankly tragedies of the property is that in the 60s the highway 101 alignment cut the Pierpont off from its direct coastal access that had been one of the real uh, uh, features of the property, one of the real assets. And next slide. So to dig into the history a little bit more, the main building in, in 1910 uh, was both a restaurant and a hotel. Um, Austin Pierpont, the, the son of the first owners, actually designed the cottages. He himself was an architect. Um, it was one of his earliest projects. Um, and the, the property continued to grow and change. In the 1950s, the east wing was built. It was actually built in two phases, uh, an initial kind of L, uh, uh, two-story L-shaped building, and then added on was that angle that nearly abuts the main building today. Um, mentioned the, the Highway 101 freeway construction became um, uh, the subject of a lawsuit, actually. And with the proceeds of the lawsuit, the owners of the property took that and built the, the, what we call the West Wing and later the East Wing. And those buildings were both built in the, in the early 60s, they're very, uh, or mid-60s. Um, they're very similar in form. Um, uh, the West Wing is double-loaded corridors, though the East Wing is just single-loaded uh, uh, building. I mean, the, sorry, the Bluff building. Um, the, uh, yeah, so 1993, Jared went through a little bit of the history there on the designation. So we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that in a couple slides to come. So next slide, please. So in this red dashed line, you can see what is now designated the historic district. Um, there are two individually listed buildings, the 50s flat or the Maddie Gleichman house, same thing, and the main building. The other buildings are considered contributing resources to the district. Yeah. Um, next slide, please. Oh, so this is just, yeah, to, to kind of re recap. Uh, cottages, East Wing, and in answer to your question, the swimming pool is not a contributor. Um, as best of my understanding, it was when that building was first built, it was actually a meadow or lawn. And uh, the, the pool was probably added in the 50s or 60s. Okay, so here is our current site plan, rendered site plan, landscape plan. A couple things I wanted to point out. One of the changes that we're proposing is um, removing a staircase 
and I'll go into this in more detail in just a second, but there are some serious wayfinding issues on this campus. It's a campus of buildings that it's not intuitive at all about how to kind of move through the campus. The buildings feel very disunified right now, uh, just in character. Uh, they, you know, they, they're from different eras. Um, and one of the challenges of this project is kind of knitting this campus back together with approaches like common uh, color palette appropriate to each building, that is, wanting the buildings to uh, not match, but at least rhyme. Um, and, and for the, the whole hotel campus to have a kind of unified experience and character. Um, the other thing we're doing is mod proposing some modifications to the footprint of the main building. Again, I'll, I'll talk about those in a minute, but one of the important pieces is opening up the view shed for uh, patrons of the hotel who are arriving on site. Uh, right now, it's, it's very narrow. Uh, I'll show you a photograph of it in a bit. Um, so uh, improving wayfinding, unifying the character of the campus, and overall guest and restaurant patron experience. Next slide, please. So a couple images of the, the, the west elevation um, of the building, or south, I mean, it kind of depends on, but the, the, the building that looks at the Pacific is, is over here. Uh, and then the uh, east-facing, what I think it was the east-facing arrival uh, facade. So a really good example of craftsman-style architecture of the early 20th century, all wood construction, um, and very uh, simple, clearly articulated volumes um, with, with uh, this arrival sequence at the building um, really having a, an important um, uh, an important access, I guess, on, on arrival. Next slide, please. Uh, here's the building today. Um, you can see that uh, some of the primary forms of that original arts and crafts building are, are still very legible. Um, on the east-facing elevation, though, there have been quite a number of changes, uh, additions over time, um, some more sensitive than others, some quite insensitive in, in, my, in, our, in our estimation. Um, and uh, uh, they became the, the sort of focus for our initial design thinking about guest arrival experience and how to enhance the, the appeal of this building. Um, Next slide, please. So lots of deterioration, um, lots of uh, really difficult conditions. You can see this narrow little uh, opening there. That's the, the, the narrow opening that I was mentioning earlier that we want to widen. You can see uh, a lot of failing wood shingles, um, a lot of uh, conduit, piping, kind of decades of abandoned in place uh, systems and equipment. Uh, roof, some rooftop mounted, some wall mounted. Um, you can see the narrow sort of dark pedestrian uh, or, or guest access. Um, there's a large extent of this kind of egg crate style trellis, probably added sometime in the 60s um, that we're well, proposing to remove. Um, you can see that egg crate trellis over the main entry as well. Um, lots of uh, roof vents that really just need are, are in dire need of repair. 
Put next next slide, please. Um, windows at the upper on the second floor also in dire need of repair, um, and those were a focus of the last time we appeared before the committee. I wanted to just re review that, though, knowing that, that there were new committee members. So, um, as uh, as Jared mentioned, that um, in subsequent conversations, um, both during the meeting and subsequent to the meeting with uh, Mr. Schaefer from the Conservancy. Um, he's actually provided a couple of references of local craftsmen who can rebuild these windows, repair them. Chair, um, for the protocols, um, the applicant has a 10 minutes maximum unless the chairperson grants additional Okay, thank you. I can build. Sure, I'll pick it up. <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm yeah. So, so anyway, just point being that that we're going to repair uh, the windows, these double hung windows that can be repaired. We're, we're going to have to rebuild the ones. There's some that are just beyond repair. They've been so subject to. The you know the challenging coastal conditions and 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 the, you know yeah just lack of maintenance over time. So. So uh, real quickly, put up a slide: rehabilitation versus restoration. Um, Vice Chair Stratton, I know you're very familiar with these terms, um, but just wanted to underscore that we're this is a rehabilitation project, not a restoration project. Um, and I think it's also worth mentioning that the two listed properties, the 50s flat and the main building, have undergone extensive interior renovations over the decades, rendering them, in my understanding from uh, our conversations with Paige and Turnbull, uh, ineligible for, for example, national register listing. Um, so while they are listed properties for purposes of the city, um, we're not, you know, the rehabilitation, we're not considering any of the work we're doing endangering a possible national register listing. Thanks. Okay, so um, that staircase that I mentioned, uh, we're proposing to remove. This is the removals are in green and the additions are in blue. So removing the staircase that currently. Uh, acts as an emergency egress stair for the east wing and physically connects to the main building. Um, it also acts as an egress route from an upper story of the main building that's not code compliant. So um, this stair is also failing structurally and needs to be replaced. So we're proposing to remove that staircase and bring the building uh, uh, facade closer back to the original property line. The, the red line, um, well, the, the, red, the red line is the, prop, is the proposed rent rehabilitated building footprint. We're proposing the removal of a, a historic addition to the front of the building that is not in keeping with craftsman architecture um, and not contributing to the character of the building. Um, 
see the flat roof, uh, a very simplistic um, rectangular uh, uh, volume jutting out from the face of the original facade of the building. We're proposing removal of this egg crate trellis that I mentioned before, and we're proposing replacing it with a trellis that will be new and is not intended to uh, replicate the original trellis that was in that location, but will be designed and built in the same character to be inspired by the original Craftsman trellis. <clears throat> Let's see. Over on this end of the building is a really pretty shabbily constructed volume that currently houses a laundry facility. Uh, we'll see some more photos of it, uh, but you can get a sense of it. There's the laundry facility. We're proposing deconstructing this entire volume, but building back a section of it for programmatic needs, uh, enlarging a, 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 a multi-user bathroom. Uh, we also will house an electrical room. It's, it's program, programmatically required for the building, uh, but it effectively removes that green volume right there. So one thing that we'll do is sort of open up that aperture that I pointed out earlier, improve the view sheds. <clears throat> We're going to, uh, as a consequence of removing this the staircase and a, and a bit of volume that's currently contributing to the uh, back of house kitchen area inside. We're gonna rebuild the existing mansard roof. Um, we're gonna rebuild a, a little mechanical yard that's currently shielded, the views of that are shielded by the mansard roof and a, and a parapet. So we're essentially going to trim this building back and rebuild the same mansard roof. Thanks. Um, so, repair, replace windows in kind, uh, repair, replace the wood board and batten where it needs it, mostly it's the battens that are failing in lo certain locations, <clears throat> replace wood shingle like for like. Um, we're going to do our best with the brick that is at the foot of, of some sections of the main building. Um, repointing it, cleaning it, there's some cracked brick, there's some brick that will just need to be replaced. Um, and for the roof, um, we're gonna have to install a new roof to uh, seismically upgrade the building. It's part of a suite of seismic upgrades. So the roof gets all new decking and, and new roof material. And there's aluminum lattice called out, which is not easy to see in this rendering, but a combination of aluminum, uh, the, the lattice and a uh, CMU wall will hide a, a small um, delivery yard, it'll, very small, um, and it'll be planted ultimately. So uh, a, a trellis to support Ivy. Thanks. Yeah, and I'll go, I'll go quick. Um, so essentially, um, Natural finish, <clears throat> uh, wood shingles on the upper floor that will weather naturally. Um, we've got, uh, what else do I need to point out? 
composite roof shingles I mentioned, board and batten will be painted, uh, brick repaired in advance. Oh, next slide, please. Um, and, and really just following that, that same set of finishes around the, the other elevations of the building. One, a couple things to call out here. We're having to build a new, a new uh, staircase that'll be painted steel. Um, it hasn't been uh, detailed yet. There's an image of what we intend, the character of the, of the stair that we intend to install <coughs> later in the slide deck. Um, but it, it's intended to be uh, very uh, much lighter weight, uh, visually lighter than, than the existing stair. A similar stair is required for emergency egress from the opposite end of the second floor, so which it doesn't currently exist. So we, that's a code required staircase. You only have two minutes. Okay, okay. <laughs> you advance, advance, please. You can keep going. Um, keep going. Uh, the trellis that, oh, I'm sorry, we'll stop on the trellis. Uh, you can just kind of see, it's hard to find pictures of the original trellis. Ours is inspired by it. Um, we've got uh, a little bit of roof that's uh, going to be rebuilt. Uh, it's a little um, shed roof that uh, attaches to what's going to be a valet entry. Uh, here's another image of the interior of the trellis looking out. So again, similar in spirit and character, but not a repli replica. Thanks. Um, West Wing is uh, repair and replace, paint, stucco, <coughs> repair and replace as, uh, for the roof as needed, um, repainting trim, um, repairing existing windows. Uh, yeah, you can advance, thanks. Um, similarly, this is, this is still the West Wing. Advance, please. <coughs> Um, yeah. Okay, East Wing. Uh, we're removing some faux stone that was installed in the 90s, thank you, and replacing it with stucco. The original building was a stucco finish on the ground floor and uh, board and batten on the upper floor. So uh, that board and batten is in pretty good shape. We're just going to repaint or repair and repaint uh, or replace as needed. Um, repair existing windows in advance. New staircase, painted steel staircase, same character as the one at the main building. Um, we, we need that again for, for egress since we're removing that existing stair. Thanks. Yeah, you can advance. I think that's your alarm. I think we're at time. Okay. Well, and I'm happy to answer any questions. <laughs> Thank you for the additional time. Does anyone on the committee have questions of the applicant? <coughs> I do. Yes. <laughs> um, the trellis, was the original trellis wood? Yes. So why aluminum versus? The aluminum is just for, uh, I, you know what? Uh, a, a terminology mistake on my part. I'm going to, this, this trellis that will be, that will cover the entry, mm -hmm. the main entry, will be made out of wood. Oh. There is a small, um, 
uh, it will be open to the open to the exterior, but a small delivery uh, location with uh, with a gate, and that'll be CMU, and then fronted by an aluminum vertical trellis for growing ivy up. Okay. Sorry, could you lattice? Thank you. Thank you. Could you define CMU? Sorry. A uh, concrete masonry okay. unit. It just uh, a really sturdy. Right, because yeah. delivery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you just summarize the work you're going to do on the 1950s structure, since you didn't, that wasn't part of your presentation? Yeah, uh, the Maddie Gleichman House will be uh, repaired. It's essentially repair and replace in kind. Uh, there's a very delicate wood uh, lattice uh, around the roof that's failing in a lot of locations. A lot of members that have just fallen off over the years. Um, yeah, you, there's a nice image, you can see that that's a little section of the current character, and so we're, we're going to repair that um, like for like and repaint. And repair the staircase, yes. That's what I saw in the documentation. Yeah. Um, so this is an existing staircase. Um, it does, yeah, it needs to be, it has their extensive repairs needed to bring it into compliance. On the, at least what I have, on the east wing, it just says replace ahistoric windows at guest rooms. So will you make the wind, all the windows and all of the buildings have that same replace or repair in kind, even though these may be aluminum or whatever or mix match, I don't know what, you know, the ahistoric windows are, so will they be not replaced with a historic, but be replaced with windows that are. So at the east wing, um, the, the win there are some aluminum windows that will, will, that are probably date from the 90s, I would guess. Um, they have their, their sliders, mm -hmm. um, and that's because there's no existing exhaust for the bathrooms. We're gonna replace those with fixed windows um, and uh, they'll have a wooden, they'll have a wood frame. Um, and uh, on the <clears throat> patio side, <clears throat> um, each guest room has a sliding glass door. Again, a historic sliding glass door, probably dates from the 90s. Um, a lot of those need to be replaced. Um, what we're looking at there actually is going back to a fixed full light panel with a swing door. That was the original configuration, um, a full light fixed door, um, I mean full light swing door, uh, style and rail. Um, and that does double duty for us because the noise from the highway is intense and the, it helps us with acoustical performance. So it's a higher performing system. Um, there are adjacent full lights that will be repaired. Most of those are in pretty good condition. Um, so. Um, the proposed changes to the cottages where it says new gazebo and landscaping, 
is the gazebo, um, is that a contributing element? No, no, the gazebo is, um, the existing gazebo is uh, probably from the 80s and it's, okay. it, and it's in need of, um, um, in need of a, a, a demolition. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the gazebo then was basically well, I mean, I'm just asking, yeah, this is a question. No, yeah, Was it constructed with those pillars to look like the, the pillars that are on the facade of that house that's right, the Vickers estate? Oh, the estate? Vickers estate? Yes. Oh, gosh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I, I, it, I hadn't made that association. I, uh, yeah. Maybe if you could advance almost to the end. Yep, yeah. oh, go back. Um, well, we just, I just have a rendering of them. I've included the, our improvements to the Vickers, even though it's not part of the mm -hmm. district. And, okay. um, so we're, yeah. I missed what, are, are you planning on demolishing the gazebo? Or? We're going to replace the gazebo. You're replacing it, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why I was thinking if it was a contributor or something, because it had that element of the pillars that mimic the columns that are in the front facade of the Vickers. That, that could well be. Yeah, I hadn't made that association. Um. Let's see. Um, the, the rows, or the two cottages, mm -hmm. they, it's, the fenestration consists of aluminum sliding windows. Mm -hmm. Now the aluminum sliding windows will be replaced with something other than aluminum? We will, uh, yes. We, we're gonna replace them with uh, wood frame windows. Uh, they, they may not be operable, um, but uh, uh, divided light wood windows. Okay, and then figure 10, and I don't know if this is a Jared question or, mm -hmm. but figure 10 in our report shows the cottages and the 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 doors are mm -hmm. it says one with four lights and the the picture that we have is six lights next to the two windows with that sort of um uh decorative sort of half timber or, yeah exactly yeah. but the that door on the actual cottage is a solid door. The window door is on the other cottage. So I'm, I'm confused in terms of what we have as exhibit or figure 10, the, the doors are different than what are actually, what actually exists. I need to report back to you on that. Um, your question is clarify what the door type is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The doors. Well. And the doors aren't changing, or. The doors are the doors are not changing. Um, we are we're trying to reuse as much as we can mm -hmm. for sure. this project. Um, and so, if uh, if they if they have to be replaced, we're going to do like for like replacement. Um, but so including the window configuration. Okay, it's just that 
because I was out there, I looked at it today, yeah. the, the, and it doesn't match what we were given as information in our report. So um, I'm just, wherever the information came from, I don't the think, got switched. yeah, I don't think it matches with reality. Thank so you. I'm just. Yeah, thank, thank you for. Yeah, for the record. Thank you for that, and I apologize. I can't, I, I'm not equipped to answer your question okay. right at this moment, so. And then, uh, got some more questions. On the, uh, I guess it's the Bluff House. The west staircase is to be rebuilt, and is that going to be the, the, the metal? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So, alrighty. So it's, it's, it's keeping with where the staircase is and the purpose of the staircase, but it's definitely, you'll know that it is a newer addition and if it were to be removed, it wouldn't really affect the, any of the original that it's attached to. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And another question <clears throat> for um, the, the, I get the idea of the cohesiveness um, and trying to, um, the signage and how things are sort of chopped up and you no. don't know. I remember it took me a while to find the restaurant there one time for dinner. Um, so making the signage and the lighting and all of that sort of, when, it, now will we, will we be getting additional information on signage and lighting to review, or if not, will that come up for review, or how will the, the changes, you just, yeah. So we will be doing the signage and wayfinding uh, design. Okay. has not been designed yet. Okay. We've identified locations, uh, but we haven't done, we don't have any like drawings of signage for you to review. We're happy okay. to submit that stuff later it's usually a later phase of design sometimes in, in construction bill we did include in the plan set the earlier conceptual um sign ideas yeah. that you did give us um which in included some it, they all were pretty high high quality uh halo type stuff i think backlit thank, thank you jared that's right we did include for plan review the monument sign uh, that was a requirement. So the monument sign on San Juan Road is in the review package. Okay. And the the lighting fixtures on the cottage, because it's called out here, the sconces, those will remain, those little light sconces in front of the doors, those will remain basically the same. Those are nice. And then the lighting in uh, throughout, will be sympathetic to lighting fixtures on the buildings? Absolutely. Um, we, you know, light, lighting fixtures are uh, a really nice way to nod to the building's era yeah. without being, t you know, too um, didactic. So, yeah, definitely. And then there was just this line in here in the report that says, the majority, bless you, the majority of character defining materials and features at all of the contributors will remain. That's kind of, I mean, majority. Yeah, 51%. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
I guess I'm trying to get some idea of in all, I mean, can we make a statement that in, you know, all feasible instances that character divining features that they will be maintained or replaced in kind or? Absolutely, that, okay. absolutely. I, I think uh, one of the, um, hopefully one of the takeaways from the presentation was that, you know, really with the exception of removing that stone that's at the ground floor of the right. east wing and replacing it with stucco, mm -hmm. we're making very few material changes. Everything else is like for like. And then I noticed that in, in some places it seems to be specified and in other places either the discussion. Um, so regarding the shingles where it says in the page in Turnbull, it says project plans call for removal and replacement with redwood shingles. So all of the shingles that need to be repaired or replaced will be redwood and not like cedar shakes or something else, but I mean is is redwood what will be used throughout for the repair and replacement of the shingles? That's the design intent, okay. yes. And if not? It, it will be, wood, there will be real wood shingles. Okay. okay. I think that's all the questions that I have right now, so I'd like to. I actually have a question about yeah. landscaping. What, what, okay. What will be your reference for planning the landscaping? What sources will you use? Well, so there are the, 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 the depending on the part of the campus that you're on, a lot of the landscape is very well established already. There are places that need repair, especially the hillside along San Juan Road, the area behind the cottages. Um, but, you know, the character of the current landscape is really the guiding light. Um, uh, definitely, you know, <laughs> maintaining all the uh, coastal cypresses. Um, and really making those the focal point. And for the, tragically, uh, the property lost a couple of those in windstorm, was it last year? Yep, um, over the last two years, yeah. So, but three of them. Yep. Yeah, um, so, but there are, there are some remaining, those will be focal points uh, for the, the landscape. Um, we're gonna, so for stormwater management, we'll be introducing a bioswale um, near the uh, guest entry, or not a, it's a bioinfiltration spot, so that'll be sort of a landscape amenity and also a stormwater management tool. Um, so the ficus trees that are there right now will, will be removed, uh, and that'll be, that'll rep be replaced. Um, it'll also improve views uh, to the main, the facade of the, of the main building. Um, the, uh, the hillside, the bluff going down to the 101 is fairly well established, and all we're going to do there is enhance and maintain what we have and get a proper irrigation system there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the property has a, a lot of assets in, in the landscape already that we just intend to build on. Okay, that's what I was wondering. The ficus trees are on the east side? The ficus, on that side. That's right? right, they're on the east yeah. side, and they're in a parking island, which is. Yeah. Not a great spot for them anyway, fairly constrained uh, growing area, so. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Questions? 
Can I just one clarification in the beginning of your presentation? You said you were trying to make the uh, contributing elements of the district more visible or more apparent as individual contributors through coloration, or how? What are you, how are you? You know, so it seemed like it seems like on this property, every twenty years or so, somebody built another building, and in a yeah. different style, different construction type, uh, totally different form language, uh, which is great in terms of sort of a a walk through all these different architectural eras of the twentieth century. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, one of the challenges that poses is how to sort of knit those together to have a common identity, so you kind of always know that you're at the Pierpont, um, no matter where you are on the property. Yeah. And so uh, we want to enhance the individual architectural character of each of the buildings, particularly kind of the era-specific, you know, that mid-century modern motor court kind of uh, feeling of the East Wing, um, but still use uh, a color palette that's, um, that's common across the whole property. Um, so it's, it's really a combination. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to do both, but that's what we're trying to do. Okay. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Elizabeth reminded me about landscaping. Um, I know that you don't anticipate, anticipate any major excavations out there on the property, but yeah, thinking of the, the bioswale yeah. and I know they were doing some work behind cottage number two today, and it's awfully black dirt, and I don't know whether that was brought in or not, but my concern is that if there's any excavation of any depth below fill, uh, concerns for potential for archaeology to be present, and that that somehow be taken into consideration when the plans are going forward with any ground disturbing work on the property. Mm -hmm. So, thank you. We sh we will make yeah, we'll we'll definitely be sensitive to that. We will have some excavation in the parking lot to place a uh, stormwater drainage um, subgrade tank, and there'll be some excavation for utilities. Um, those will run primarily through the existing pool deck area, uh, so w which has already been disturbed by the pool installation, so maybe less of a likelihood there, but none nonetheless, it's always a possibility. So Right, and excavations never go within the exact same no. trench or anything. You can move a little bit here, a little bit there, so I, I get the idea of the greater disturbance with the pool deck <clears throat> area, but you go outside of that immediate footprint, and if it hasn't been disturbed, you could be hitting a shell midden or some, mm -hmm. some other sort of thing, and it would be a shame to have any of those kinds of disturbances without appropriate mitigation measures in place. We don't have a contractor on the project yet, uh, but we will cover those protocols with the GC when we're ready to. Yeah. Committee Member Stratton, we'll include our standard conditions of approval um, that relate to um, what they are supposed to be doing if they run into something during those type of situations. Is, and I appreciate that. And is there any way to include that in the staff report because it came up at the last meeting 
with one of the projects that we reviewed, and we had to mention that and make that a condition. I would make that a condition of this one, mm -hmm. and I would make that a condition of the next item on the agenda. So we can uh, highlight those in future. I would um, appreciate items. that very much. Yeah. Yes, I would appreciate that as well. Okay, do we have any more questions of the applicant? Thank you, thank you. Um, are there any public comments? We have one public speaker for this okay. item, Stephen Schaefer. Hello there again. Um, Stephen Schaefer with the San Buena Ventura Conservancy for Preservation. Uh, we put in the formal comment that everybody can download online. Thank you, Jared, for putting that in there. Um, and the main building was our, our uh, biggest concern after the last meeting, and we did meet with Page Architects and the applicant and Page and Turnbull and uh, voiced our concerns that the materiality, the like-for-like like approach to bricks and shingle siding and um, the windows, the wavy glass, and, and that was uh, very critical uh, for our support, but uh, we have been encouraged by the changes to the plans and uh, we do support the project as it has been presented. Um, one of the comments that I had at the bottom of my comment uh, that I think I will just read is, the Conservancy urges the HBC to include clear, specific language in their motion that can be followed by staff, the applicant, and permit code enforcement staff in the field to guide the rehab plans and execution. Because the staff report that I saw and many of the illustrations are, I think maybe Bill can speak to this, it's 50% or, or, or somewhere between 50% and 100% plan sets. And so, um, if you were to make a motion to approve as shown now, there's still some ability of things to change and then there to be a question when the contractor is standing there doing, saying, where do I put the baton versus the brick? And so um, the terminology like for like maybe being in the actual motion and somehow translating through with staff's help all the way through the system so that it's clear to everyone that there's an intent here, and uh, when, when left with the lack of specificity on how you do something in the field, rather than you know, stop the project, go with, well, the intent is like for like, the intent is go back to the photography of the original building, go back to the things that enhance the, the, the landmark listing or the enhance the character of the contributing resources. Um, so that's just sort of the overall general feeling. Um, to speak to the idea that the buildings may or may not be National Register eligible, I think the eligibility of the buildings would definitely be on association and events, as, as we have talked about how significant they are in the event of tourism and the association with the various families. And I think that the alterations and changes that are happening are enhancing that uh, visual sort of syntax, that visual uh, uh, significance. So 
um, they may be uh, eligible for the National Register. It's just not on an architectural level, but what the public sees is will be architectural. Thank you. Time's up. That's what we want to support. Thank you very much. We have no additional public speakers. Does the applicant wish to add anything else? Thank you. <laughs> that concludes the public hearing for the portion of this project. Um, the committee can now deliberate, and we can ask the staff further questions before we make a motion. Staff questions? I don't have any other staff questions, I believe. Okay. In between bouncing back and forth that we've, I've gotten the answers to all the various questions. There's a lot of moving parts. A lot, a lot. <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate Jared's reminder about the, the caveat with the archaeology and... and mm -hmm. Yes. I Noah? also appreciate the comment that we should include language that reflects the intent of like for like or in kind. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that, but how would you right. go about doing that? I'm, I'm leaning on you here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I um, felt like you were on a roll there. Oh, the well. I, I mean, I do very much agree um, with some sort of a, making a motion of approving this um, as Stephen suggested in the like for like with the intent because things do change because you can't get X, Y, or Z, but I, I certainly am uh, a proponent of reviewing original photographs and going back to the intent of like for like and uh, keeping in mind the possibility that this very well could be if not national register eligible property or district, um, certainly California uh, register. I know. Anything right. else? I to think add? yeah. The conditions. I I very much appreciate the work you have done on this project. This is yeah. It's it's. I don't want to say it's come a long way, but it's it's. Gone in the right direction, definitely. Well, I think we're, we're actually acknowledging the historic mm -hmm. uh, a, a portrayal of the the district, the Pierpont district. That, and I'm going to call it a district because I see it as a multiple multiple buildings, and that um, there are contributors and non-contributors, and and um, we're not looking added individually, you are doing things to various buildings and removing things. So I um, would like to not see the historic um, nature or the relaying of the historic nature of the district really be compromised and appreciate the efforts that um, you're going to to have a color palette that fits in there to replace or repair in kind, um, like for like, that you are looking at original photographs 
and with like the the example of the trellis and the lattice work and uh, those sorts of things and I, I get for that for building safety codes that you do need we need to have stairways and that sort of thing but um, in at least my um, previous line of work that things that are removable are justifiable in terms of you know additions that they don't detract or or uh, harm the historic nature of the building in and of themselves so I would um, uh, make a motion to approve the project as presented with the caveat about the archaeology that when we get to the landscaping and the contractor uh, that we have something in mitigation in place for that and that as we're going forward that if something can't be replaced or repaired in kind or like for like that it would come back before the committee for review if something and I don't know what that would be but if it's something that comes up and then certainly um, the things that we have not seen I mean there was the initial I think Jared mentioned about the signage and then the um, lighting and those things we have not seen that they those we should be a part of reviewing My motion. Yeah, I will second that. Okay, so the motion is um, that you want to have some archaeology with the excavation, some kind of monitoring, or is it the report that you want to be ran again? It needs to be mentioned in the report that if archaeology is, is um, help me here. Um, the, yeah. If archaeology is encountered, Archaeology to needs be to be considered. It's your standard. Yeah, we'll be, yeah. We'll be including standard. the standard um, archaeological archaeological conditions for um, when those are encountered during construction. During earth moving. Activity. Okay, and, and then the the other standard city. And I can get that from you, Jared. Okay, and then the other one is that you want to use like for like materials replace or repair in with in kind, mm -hmm. and if not, they need to come back to the committee for review is that what you want I mean is that possible is that I mean I don't, I don't want to see some little nitpicky thing but right uh, if I there's a I guess if there's something major how does how would that is that possible uh, um, I mean you can shape it however you would like I would just remind that they have um, experts we don't usually have on applicant teams on their team yeah. and I would want to rely on that as much as possible um, uh, but I would ask just however you feel comfortable Do with you your recommendation. Know, I can ask staff. We can't ask the applicant. <laughs> Do you know if they will have the the um, historic? We are going to. I'm not sure exactly what you were going to say, but if you were going to say we were going to condition that they that part of their team be retained throughout the process as well Perfect. as the construction. Perfect. Yeah. That helps. Okay, so you yes. want me to say that use like for like material and retain the as a condition prof professional historical person. Okay, <laughs> got it. Okay, so on the team throughout the project. Um, okay, so is he allowed to? Or if, if you if you want to reopen the public hearing, reopen public comments. I think. Yeah, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Okay, so you first and you second. I'll second. Okay. All right, so, Member Thomas? Yes. 
Member, Vice Chair Stratton? Yes. Chair Soriano? Yes. Motion carries. It's a bit messy there, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. Okay, now we can move on to item number four. It is the project 15341, Meta Apartments, major design review, located at 1267 and 1279 Meta Street. And do we have a staff report? Yes, thank you, Chair Soriano. Um, next slide. So this request consists of the addition of a three-story multifamily residential building onto an existing developed site in the eastern section of the downtown specific plan. The property is located on the north side of Meta, uh, Meta Street, just west of Crimea. The site is rectangular in shape and includes alley access from Cottage Court Alley. The area is primarily residential, includes single-family homes, multifamily apartments, and institutional uses, including a church and Cabrillo Middle School. Meta Street inc includes sidewalks and on-street parking, and there's no defined architectural style or any dominant time period of development. This is an aerial of the existing site. An existing three-story, seven-unit apartment building is located along the western property line, which is on the upper part of the slide. Um, the parking areas are accessed from Meta Street and Cottage Court Alley. An existing single-family home, 1279 Meta, is located at the southeast corner of the property, fronting Meta Street. And this home was identified as a potential historic resource in the 2007 Downtown Historic Survey. The side of the apartment building is to be located behind that single family home, which is currently vacant except for an old garage along the alley. Next slide. This slide is showing the location of the new apartment structure in relation to the existing structures on the site. In the downtown specific plan, the design of all new development on a lot containing an historic resource is required to be reviewed by the Historic Preservation Committee. For the compliance with the historic resource design guidelines of the downtown specific plan and the Secretary of Interior standards and guidelines for the treatment of historic properties or the standards. Next slide, please. The downtown area contains a number of designated historic landmarks. However, in the immediate area of the site, the, the closest designated landmarks are some of our newest landmarks, and they're located near the intersection of Thompson Boulevard and Hemlock Street, and they include the Walsh Craftsman Bungalow, the Leon Walker Building, and the Southern County's Gas Buildings. Um, the, two town, the 2007 Downtown Specific Plan Historic Survey did identify several buildings in the immediate area that could potentially be designated local landmarks. And that includes 1279 Meta, which is on the project site, but it also includes 1293 Meta, which is next door, and that's a craftsman home. And then there are a group of three more craftsmen on the south side of Meta, just west of the site, and then another craftsman on Hemlock Street and the First Methodist Episcopal Church on Santa Clara. Next slide. So 1279 Meta was identified in the 2000 survey as a potential landmark as a good example of colonial revival architecture in Ventura. 
Its original location is unknown, but it's believed that the house was moved to its current location prior to 1928. It consists of, uh, it's consistent with the Colonial Revival's architectural features with its simple design, rectangular shape, centrally located door, and its columned entrance. Consistent with the downtown historic guidelines, the proposed apartment building architecture has been designed to complement the colonial revival architecture of the single family residence at 1279, as well as the existing 1980s apartment building next door at 1267 Meta Street. The main goal is to relate the structures without attempting to replicate or emulate the exact architecture. The applicant, applicant has done this by incorporating the use of the horizontal siding as the primary exterior building material proposed, as well as having composition shingle pitched roof, which steps down um, the height on the portion of the building closest to 1279 Meta and is using a similar fenestration pattern. Next slide. The majority of the Secretary of Interior standards are for projects that involve physical changes or restoration of historical structures. So of the standards, nine and 10 are the applicable to instances where construction is being placed near resources. Staff requested HRG of Pasadena to review the project for consistency with the standards, where they concluded that while the project doesn't entirely meet standard nine, there is no discernible impact to the potential historic, historical significance of 1279 Meta Street. The intent of the standards have been met, um, besides the property not being in its original setting um, or the, of the building, the, the build project does not contribute to any damage, destabilization, or alterations to the existing historic resource. The proposed development is sufficiently separated by land that would minimize visual impact through um, ways of views, massing, and scale upon the historic resource. And additionally, if development is removed in the future, 1279 um, Meta um, would be not materially affected by the project. Um, is designed minimally to allow the historic structure to remain the focus. So staff is requesting the HPC to recommend planning commission approve the major design review of this project and staff is available for any questions at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Do any committee members have questions of staff? I do. I think I'm, I'm just confused okay. on the, it's on the HRG report uh -huh. where it says the 2007 survey recommended the residents individually eligible for designation as a city of Ventura landmark as a good example of American colonial revival style residential architecture in Ventura. So in other words, they're saying that it's probably eligible, but nobody has formally submitted it as a landmark and it hasn't come before the committee as a landmark. Um, so. Therefore, the residence is considered a historic resource subject to review under the City of Ventura Downtown Specific Plan. Now, this is where I'm a little confused. The 2007 survey did not find the residents eligible for listing in the National Register or the Cal Register. So an actual determination 
was made that it wasn't eligible for the Cal Register or the National Register, and I'm either confusing or conflating this, that when you're looking at that building, even as a local landmark, you're going through basically the same steps and the same um, categories in both the Cal and the National Register. So, and I get nobody has taken it to the SHPO's office either for that, but how can you say, how, how can, how's, how are we not finding it? I, I'm just confused, so please enlighten me on this. Uh, um, I'll try, and I'm, uh, if uh, Mr. Schaefer ends up speaking on um, during the public part, he might be able to clarify <laughs> as well. But, you know, so when they look at it, they're, they're basically can look at um, how it uh, represents itself from a national importance type of level, state importance type of level, and local level. And when they looked at it, they didn't see anything that would make it rise to this is something that affected, you know, from a, a national um, significance type of level or state, which is almost interchangeable that one can make, one can automatically put yourself on the other list. Right. But they thought, as an example of this type of architecture in Ventura, because if you look at what colonial architecture looks like, it doesn't really look like this if you go to the internet. But for Ventura, it's kind of like unique and it's what, you know, an example of what kind of um, gets close to that kind of style. So I, I think that's why it ends up being eligible on a local level, but not necessarily to the, to the, to the um, level of national or state importance. Well, it could be still eligible on a, <clears throat> excuse me, a local level, state or nationally, but um, I would add that you know they don't dig super deep when they're doing the the um, surveys, and so um, say that that the uh, property owner wanted to. Um, uh, do some changes to that this structure. Sure. At that time, we would be um, uh, re requiring a phase one historical survey, and then we would get a, a much clearer picture on where it would end up on on all three of those criteria. Okay. So, do we have better examples of the American colonial revival style in town? I would defer that to um, other experts that might be in the room. Okay, I, I get what you're saying, and thank you for that, but I'll be interested to hear any additional comments. Thank you. Um, I have questions about setbacks and um, downtown specific plan open space mm -hmm. for lots. Um, it seems like it's fairly close to the lot lines. I think it's only five feet from the other historic homes on Crimea and on Meta, there's that one on the corner of Meta. Um, what, what's the criteria for open space in this, in, in this instance? So this, in downtown specific plan is a form-based code. It's different than um, what most of us grew up with uh, where you, know, you have R1 residential setbacks. Yeah. Um, in form-based codes, you, you have to select a building type. And in this case, because the property owner owns 
this property and the one next door, which is the 1980s three-story one, um, th this infill development that they're proposing uh, ends up creating a courtyard housing development. And so um, that's kind of why I was showing both of the properties together so you could kind of see how this is kind of fitting that last piece of the puzzle. Not perfectly because we're dealing with existing structures here. Um, so typically on the, on the outsides of a courtyard housing development, um, the maximum or minimum setbacks would be five feet from property lines. And then uh, I noticed there's a note that it's only 10 feet from the historic structure in the front. It starts 10 feet back. Is, that's in the HRG report. I couldn't tell on the... That sounds correct. Okay, so 10 feet. The other... I noticed it on the plans. It's hard to see, but it's, I think there's... Is there some demolition of the existing wall, the concrete wall in the front? It looked um, like there was the corner or something. There, there's there. a wall, uh, and there's I'll have the, uh, the property owner clarify okay. that, but there, there is some uh, wall kind of in between. You know what, I'll just defer that to the applicant so he can clarify, but it's not, um, we're taking access for the new building from Meta Street and the alley, there's just not enough room off the alley to provide all the required parking. And so there might be part of a wall that they would have to demo, demo in order to get access to the, park, the proposed parking area from the existing driveway. So parking is required for this, these projects? That's There's, right. That, so parking is required, yes. okay. The, um, the other, I noticed the garage, the garage that will be demolished is yes. attached to the other garage. <laughs> On the on, other property. Yeah, on the other property. Yes, yes. So how does, how does that, um, is, maybe this, I, this is probably not under our purview, yeah. but I was wondering how that no, works. No, well, we've been talking it's, it's, um, about that. It, you have to coordinate with the other property owner, um, but basically he owns that part that's on his mm -hmm. property, and they own that part. And so there's, it comes down to that and coordination. Okay. Questions. Oh, and how many units are in uh, 1267 Meta? I believe there's seven. Seven in this project. There are oh, also seven in the, uh, yes. the existing? It gets a little confusing, but yes. And I'll ask the property owner to clarify that too. Is that correct? In the existing um, 1267, is there seven units in that one? Okay. Do you have any questions, Noah? Um, well, with standard nine, it does seem like it does violate standard nine of the mm -hmm. Secretary of Interior just because of the height of the structure behind this historic structure. Is the reason that that is viewed as not as significant because it is not a designated landmark or a designated um, um, property? Could you repeat the question? Uh, in the report, it did say that it that it appeared to violate standard oh. nine. 
Look, but I'll clarify. I think it said it didn't completely meet standard nine. Not that it not that violated, it violated, but right. Uh -huh. So, um, and that's where historic preservation gets interesting. I think where um, it, it doesn't mean. It, that's why they go on to clarify that even though it doesn't meet um, standard nine. There's not, there's no negative impact to the historical significance of the existing um, uh, potential resource. And that was determined because it's not in its original location, or because it's because well, of this. Well, it's just because there are elements about the infill project that, um, you know, it's 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 being done in a more sensitive way. How it's okay. stepping towards the three stories, so that the, the closest part of that building is two stories. Okay. Um, it's similar architecture. It's behind the building as opposed to in front of or next to. So it's kind of like you go down the laundry list of if you're going to put a building there, which makes sense, uh -huh. how can you do it in, the, in a sensitive way? And okay. that's what they, the goal was. All right, thank you. And that's where it gets creative? That's Yeah. And that's where I have a question about without that property, without the little house being evaluated, I, I mean, I, I see exactly what's being said with the sensitivity about the massing and the scale mm -hmm. of the infill project, but without having that um, little house completely evaluated, how can you say that you're you know, being sympathetic because we technically don't know if it's a local landmark. I mean, I guess we're just saying that it's eligible as a local landmark, ergo, we're being sympathetic to the, the massing and the scale of this other infill project, and it doesn't have an adverse effect on the little house. Is that a fair summarization? I think you said it pretty well. Okay. <laughs> All right. Does staff have anything to add? Um, not at this time, but okay. I may as we move along. Um, is the applicant here today? And uh, do you have a presentation or do you have anything, any comments you'd like to make? You don't have to, but, <laughs> but you can. It's an opportunity, yeah. Hi, my name is Andrew Eliopoulos and my wife and I, uh, we own this property. And uh, this is our first historical property so um, well, we, we really like the house and we want to keep the integrity of the home uh, you know as it is and uh, and maintain it it's been you know a wonderful asset um, when you said a little house are you talking about the um, that little shed in the back is that no I'm talking about the the house right there is a 1279 the historic house the, the historic yeah. house yeah okay and what was the question that you you um, I'm trying to wrap my head around the what? designation of it really being a historic resource oh, versus not being a historic resource and the effect of the apartment complex, the infill project on the historic, proposed historic landmark house. Okay, so I, I do know that in our, um, DRC meetings, they felt that uh, you know we would uh, kind of um, soften the the uh, look of the building by stair stepping it, which we did. Do. Uh, um, are you able to maybe go to that profile? Yes, I, 
Yeah, that's it. So you can see the house, mm -hmm. and then we just added the second story element, which before was not that way. And, and then the roof line looks like it continues, and then it, it continues you know, to the third level there. So that's kind of what we, we were asked to look at and to design. We were, we were originally following a previous project uh, design that had, um, that's directly behind this property that has two, two homes very similar to our project, but it was more of a very contemporary look, flat roofs, nice project, but it um, didn't seem to fit with what we were doing here just because uh, the, this house had a different look to it. So we, we decided to follow this, this same procedure that was previously approved behind us. And so we followed it with the same type of uh, material, siding, and you know anything else that would complement the, uh, the overall project. And I think we reduced the density, did we, by one unit? And that could be. We've gone through a I few iterations now. Yeah, we've had a couple. So we actually reduced the density to soften it even, even more. So it starts at two stories in the front, and then it goes up to three? Yes. And then is, does it go back down to two towards the alley or um, cottage court? I think it's still it part of three? the thir three story. The the lot is in a it, it slopes. It's kind of like a you know it's got a little bit of an elevation to it, and so we have to be very cognizant to the fire department and their requirements because they have limits that that we need to you know guidelines that we need to uh, abide by. So we did do that. So it was kind of it was kind of taking the DRC's recommendations, the fire department's recommendations, and the planning department's recommendations, and, and with all their guidance, we kind of this is what we have been able to come up with. Do we know the roof height on the historic home? Oh, that I don't know. I, It's a standard single-story home. I think I tried to estimate it at some point. Um, no, I'd 15 maybe, 12, somewhere between there. Yeah. I think it's like, is it a 4 and 12 pitch or a 5 and 12? It kind of, I don't remember. If you want to continue your questions, I can mm -hmm. Okay, and then and then I'm curious about the peak of the second story behind it as well, directly behind it. Visually, I'm trying to imagine what, what that looks like. Yeah, yes, thank you. Thank you. Let me see. And you said the existing 80s building on the lot next to it has seven units in it? Yes, ma'am. And this one also has seven units? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Does anyone else have questions of the applicant? Okay. Thank you.
do we have any questions um, from the public? We have one public speaker, okay. Stephen Schaefer. Thank you. And if you have questions, I can answer questions. So the, the distance between the two properties, Jared, is 10 feet, but the distance between the two eaves is probably eight or less, maybe seven and a half, based on this drawing. So I would agree that HRG's opinion that the massing size, scale, and space between is definitely um, closing on this building. Um, I live in the neighborhood uh, of Crimea, and the uh, other property that was referenced that was built uh, behind two buildings on Santa Clara Street uh, has more space between the front houses and the, the rear houses, so uh, the rear building. And all the, bu the building property also slopes in favor of the new development. Now, for, with all due respect, I don't want to in insult your building, but the building next door with the seven units that exists was the building that was called out multiple times during foreign base code as one of the buildings to avoid ever building again in the city of Ventura. So, and it was one of the reasons that form-based code was trying to approach form-based code, because when you look at that neighborhood, that building stood out as this is not what we want in the future. So the fact that this is being looked at as a courtyard now, as an addition to a building that we never wanted to see happen again, is a bit of a problem. Um, so if the building is a historic resource under CEQA, then it probably uh, imposes CEQA in some way. And if this doesn't meet the standards, then I would say you're probably looking at some kind of environmental document to figure out how to mitigate that. Um, so I would want to see that happen. Um, and to answer your question about why is the survey not um, absolutely clear on what's National Register and, and, and California Register and local. It's because the downtown 2007 survey tried a new idea and did not use historic resource status codes. And so we've been dealing with that ever since. Someday you will hear the nun story. Um, the, um, the building is a colonial transitional, which is sort of a California not strictly colonial. It's that transition between Victorian and craftsman. So it has a lot of Victorian elements, a slightly more pitched roof, some colonial elements of columns and, and that central look. And it hasn't quite flattened down as much as the craftsman. And we have quite a few examples of it. So it's not a great example of colonial architecture, but it actually is a pretty solid example of that colonial transitional. You can call Andrea Galvin if you want to know more about that. That's her theory. Um, and um, uh, the HRG, you know, sort of concurred that it's still a resource. They did the survey. They did this analysis. So um, Thank you, Stephen. Time's up. Resource under CEQA. Thank you. Does the applicant wish to provide a rebuttal? Um, Chair Surian, while he's standing up here, I just want to let you know we measured it. It's between 16 and a half and 17 and a half feet, the existing house. The existing. And then what is the? Oh, sorry. Let me get to that. Which part? 49? Or is that? Okay. Almost 
Between 26 and 27. 26 and 27, so double. Go, go ahead. You can go ahead, yeah. Um, we, we've only been owners just a short period of time. Uh, and so uh, we just felt that this was, uh, you know, something that we do, you know, in numerous communities throughout Southern California. And uh, um, <laughs> uh, I'm taken back by your comment about the, the the property next door. I mean, uh, I mean, as much as I, you know, we like it, but I, I, you know, I didn't know that it was something that was, you know, not not looked upon very favorably. But um, it's a it's a nice, clean property with happy, you know, people. Um, we continue to do that all the time. Uh, work hard at it. Um, and we will continue to work hard doing it right for everyone that we we encounter and we work with. So um, if you have any questions of me, uh, I'm here. Thank you. Right. Any questions? I don't have any questions. Okay. okay, further questions, thank you. Okay. All right, so that concludes our public hearing section of, for this project. Um, we can now deliberate and we can ask staff further questions and then make a motion. This, so we can deliberate. We can deliberate, yes, and ask staff. So this, this is a very large building behind a historic resource. And it does, so when you're on Meta, it slopes. So the, there's those Santa Clara properties, and when you're standing there, it slopes down. So from street view, and they're also two stories all the way until you hit that alley, and then they're three stories. So you can see it slopes down, so you can't, it's easy, visually it's, um, you can still see the historic structures in the front. When you're on Meta, it goes north and it slopes slightly up. And I fear that the, it's just too imposing for this 800 square foot. Also on Santa Clara, those, those, both those structures are almost 1,300 square feet each. And this one's only 800 square feet. I, I think it's just too large. It's it's too large. I think the massing. I think it 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 will impose on the historic Thank fabric, okay. and the and the um, being so close. The the uh, new built new construction being so close to the house in front is um, it, it eats up the entire backyard. It's only ten feet. I mean, this is five feet right here. <laughs> And uh, also, the there is a, I think it's a craftsman on the corner, that is a very, a very good example, and I think it was considered eligible, as well. And then there's two small historic structures on Crimea, that should be considered as well in that area, and a, directly across the street. I think you showed a slide, with an apartment building directly across the street. But if you go a little bit to the right of that image, there are small, maybe eight, nine hundred square feet, foot buildings, right next, 
the one in the center, residential building across from site. So next to that are smaller, the small cottages as well. So I think um, even though there's three stories on that, this, the property on the east, it's, it's just, it's, I think it'll be too imposing for the for that small house, if, if it can be set back, is there a way to set it back? Um, I don't think that's the plan right now, so, but um, that's the, that's That could be a point. consideration, because they're putting seven units in on a smaller parcel than what exists on the, the property to the east. Well, so if we, if you look at it from the vantage point of, um, you know, creating a courtyard housing development, um, there is not really that kind of space between the front of the courtyard house building and the and as you go back, the open space for a courtyard um, building is in the courtyard area in between the buildings. So, if, to meet a building type is that wouldn't be called for. Uh, actually, if the property is a could be on the California Historic Registry. What is the setback requirements? There, there isn't like there isn't a designated no. setback requirement. Is there a review that has to a more detailed review of view shed it, that has to go through? If it it's was, it's what we would, we're doing tonight. So it's the same process. It's the standards. Okay. Yeah. So then, so standard nine would be, but it would probably be more looked at more closely than if it was. Is that? The you could, I mean, you could always look at something yeah. more closely, yes. Yeah. And I think trying to do a courtyard for this, this design seems to be more sympathetic to the existing apartment building than to the historic structure. So, I, in, so just speaking from experience, the, what um, the courtyard building, the new building looks like right now is kind of something you'd see as a result of going through, you know, reviewing it for this with okay. the architecture changes, with the, the step up, the step, you know, step down um, situations. Like those were, are usually things that result. We're just kind of looking at the end of that process. And, um, but, you know, if they're still concerned, then we're here to hear it tonight. What's the criteria for a courtyard? Court, well, there are several. I'm not sure exactly what you mean. The two. Oh, what yeah. makes it a courtyard so, building? Yeah, what makes it a courtyard building? And are the, these are two separate parcels? Yes. Correct. But because they're owned by the same property owner, it's you. You can look at it as if it's one. Functionally, it, was, it will function as basically one project site, one housing type. But if it was owned by a separate we property owner? We would have approached it differently. Okay. When you say owned by the same property owner, are you saying the existing apartment building and the proposed new apartment building are owned by the same property owner? And Correct. And do they, okay, 
And who owns the te- the, the historic house? He does Same as well. Same property owner. So it's two parcels. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, here's here's my two cents worth. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the the sort of trying to minimize the the scale and the massing. I really appreciate that. But I too am having concerns with the new proposed apartment building and especially in that one slide with the elevation where you see the roof line of the new apartment building exactly and how, I mean, that to me looks it just dwarfs the, the historic house. And then what we, is there a picture of the new, um, the proposed project with the houses on Crimea Street, since there's only a five foot setback between those and those small houses on Crimea Street. It, look, it, just, it just looks massive to me. Is there a view from Crimea with the... I'm going to open... The, the, do you have the plan set? Yeah, there is not a view. Okay, okay. So unfortunately, we don't have the additional houses in, in view. This is what we have, just the elevations of the house itself. So there aren't um, any renderings that include the neighboring properties. Actually, with the materials presented, I'm get, having a hard time uh, seeing the, the view from the street, which is the most important. So the view, the context of the, the, uh, the historic structure in relation to the new proposed structure, because the plan views, I mean, they're all, they're all drawn to scale, but if you were to stand on the street, what is the actual impact? I mean, we see it to scale, but, you know, the, the actual... The, neighbor, the impact on the neighborhood, I'm still having a hard time seeing how that... Is there a way to create a, an architectural view, like they do in other projects where you do like a, you know, a, a street view with a, a, where it's modeled, so it's actually more, instead of plan views, like a, a three-dimensional view that includes a view shed? Um, of course, that's something you can always require. Um, I would say that the you know the code for this zone, um, mm-hmm. where three story is allowed in this zone. Okay. Um, it's calibrated to you would you know, the assumption is appropriate for this area. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not really and you do find other um, similar size developments also in the immediate area. So. While it is a big building, I it, it does seem um, in character with the neighborhood. It's pretty eclectic um, and diverse. And the code allowing this type of, of size of development, it probably will you know will go more towards this uh, as we you know go towards the future. I think. I will comment that that block is maybe eclectic because that there's the 80s apartment building, there's the 70s apartment building on the corner, 60s or 70s, but across the street still has the smaller cottages. 
And if you go down a block towards downtown, I think that's also fairly, um, there are still historic homes there across from Meta Market and that, that area. And I, I'm not um, trying to seem like a contradiction or anything, but um, so if someone came in with a single family home, wouldn't even require a three-story single family home, wouldn't even require any sort of review whatsoever. We just go through plan check. Um, so it's being that there are some one-story homes, two-story homes around this place, it's this is not, there's no protections in place that that is what it's going to be um, in the future when it's it's already built into the code. Just like the rest of the city where even though it's a one-story neighborhood, the zoning allows two stories, three stories. And so it could pop up. Maybe it's not what you picture when you think of the neighborhood now, but it's, it's still not, wouldn't be considered out of character. I understand what you're saying, Jared, and as you presented it, it it would appear that the project could, should, would go forward. I'm hung up on the fact that there doesn't really, there's an iffy evaluation, if you will, of this little his, proposed historic home, and we don't it's not like it has truly been evaluated under all four criteria or that we know what contributing elements are, non-contributing elements, view shed. So it, it's hard to, and it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around assessing an effect of the massing and scale of the proposed project on the proposed historic house. I agree, in relationship to that historic home. If they were building a single family residence that was three stories, I think it would have enough of a setback you know, if they were doing that instead. Or there's just, it, the massing is, I think, I think what HRG is saying on due to its size and scale in comparison to the historic residence, the project does not fully meet standard nine. And either you meet the Secretary of Interior standards or you don't. It's a gray area. I mean, this is gray. This is getting really gray. And, and this, this, the whole rule that we, if, say, I own a property next to my property, I can develop both, both parcels is kind of a, when we're dealing with historic buildings, it, it's, it's a whole other layer. I, just a comment, I do see how this project is, is proactive and that it's trying to deal mm -hmm. with the historic yep. structure. So I think we should weigh that in the assessment as well. It, I would just add, um, so there'll be a motion tonight where you could add your comments like we did on the previous project that would be included in Planning Commission staff report. You know, um, the project went to the Historic Preservation Committee where HPC provided the following comments. So um, that's, if, if you are looking for how you would want to um, communicate your concerns or 
your um, what you're struggling with, that could also always just be put into your your motion, and then it would be moving on with those comments to the planning commission so that they're aware of what their fellow experts are thinking about the project. Can we ask that the property be evaluated for inclusion on the local, as a local landmark? That that review be completed? Sure, I mean, you can, you can ask for further evaluation from what we already um, provided in terms of going through all of the, the criteria and giving an assessment. Um, and that can either come back to you or can go to the planning commission and mm -hmm. with further direction from you. I think, you know, it sounds like some of your concerns are about the distance from the existing mm -hmm. home and the height of that first eve that's closest to the single family home. So perhaps your comments could focus, and, and certainly they can expand beyond that, but focus on those features and um, additional information that you want them to provide to the planning commission for them to make a final decision. Um, you know, certainly if you don't feel comfortable or if there are things that you want to see, they can come back to you. That being said, there is a limitation on the number of hearings we can have for this, um, this type of project. Limit? It's five total, um, generally, and that's all the hearings, not just to you. So they already went to design review committee to you. They'll go to planning commission. We generally leave one more for an appeal. And they, yes, and they went to DRC twice. So this is hearing number three. So I just want us to be aware of that. I know that's not what you want to hear, but the state has our hands tied, and that is our limitation based on state law. So that's why we're, I, I would say that's why we're pushing towards making some formal recommendation to the Planning Commission versus having them come back. We just don't have enough meetings, um, mm -hmm. and you can't go past five. I have a question. Can I... Uh, can HRG prepare an evaluation and send it to the SHPO with a specific request? What I'm, ha you know, the other thing is we have the same owner for everything, and I get that, but, and I understand that. So, and of course, they're their house, they love their house, they want the house to also retain its character and everything, but if it comes back to us again, I'm not sure, because I'm a prehistoric archaeologist, that I'm, you know, totally equipped to make this determination back again with a, a property that is sort of, I guess, considered significant, historically significant, um, and Elizabeth, you're probably the closest thing we have to uh, the built environment person here. I mean, in terms of what you have seen, and not to discount you know either, but um, I don't. I don't want to put the property owner through trying to you know redo something in terms of massing and scale. I and especially given the fact that that's eligible for that type, or it's zoned eligible, and there, there's the three-story across the way, and there's all this eclectic, if you will. But I'd like to see somebody, a built environment expert, 
evaluate this against the register and determine if there really is or is not an adverse effect due to scale and massing. One, is it truly eligible? And if so, is there an adverse effect? So, I mean, we have a process in place for that. Okay. Um, if you want to recommend, it would be a phase two uh, historical um, uh, analysis. And it would do exactly that. It reviews the proposed project against the resource. And if there are things that need to be mitigated, it would include mitigation as well. Yes, that's, that's what I would like to see. Do you guys have anything to I, I agree. I think that's the okay. correct course of action. Do you have anything else? Should I make a motion? You can make a motion. Okay. Yeah. I'm just reading through the HRG's comments, just their comments. It says, the three, despite the above, despite the three-story height and overall scale of the project would be incompatible with the residents. I mean, they've done a bit, and then, yeah, okay. So maybe, uh, it says, uh, in some cases where the existing context is not so well-defined, which I think this block represents that, or maybe undesirable proposed project can establish an architectural character or pattern from which future development can take its cues. And I, I it, it's okay, okay. I just need to process a little bit. So I make a motion that the project as currently designed go for this phase two evaluation to assess the historic nature of the house and whether or the eligibility or the historic nature of the house and then whether the project scale and massing um, if it has an adverse effect on the results of the historic eligibility of the house the outcome of that does that make sense sure on the historic resource And as Elizabeth mentioned, since we already have the HRG and saying that it doesn't completely meet standard nine, that there be proposed mitigation to comply with standard nine. I second that motion. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Could you, uh, Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Sure. Member Thomas? Yes. Vice Chair, <laughs> Vice Chair Stratton? Yes. Chair Soriano? Does it have to be unanimous? It does? Yeah. I'll say yes. Okay. Motion carries. I, thank you. Um, does staff have any communication for the committee or public? None at this time. Thank you. And this meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I'll leave the leave the laptop or leave the what she's right.